Amen. Well, the title of my message tonight is uh, When He Walks In. When He Walks In. So I guess we found out this morning that the Lord is with us. And so tonight I want to talk to you about the dynamics and the uh, magnitude of what that means when, he, when He's with us. What that means when He walks in. How many of you know we have uh, every one of us? Oh, uh, uh, dismiss the kids. Uh, we get, uh, if, they're, if they're not already gone, they may have already revolted and left. But uh, kids, if you're in here, we're going to dismiss you to go back to your class on the playground. That's on the playground. Hey, Larry, where'd Larry go? Uh, Larry, I think Larry went to the playground. Tell him to come back in here. It's for kids. All right? Bill, Bill back there is like, I'll go tell him. Yeah, because you can't stay either, Bill. So, all right. I'm sorry. My wife instructed me beforehand to dismiss the kids, and I, I failed to obey. So uh, I'll be paying for that later. But anyway, so we're talking about when he walks in. When he walks in. Amen? So, you know, we all have God. There's an open invitation. In case you don't know, you all know here. You're the Sunday night crowd, the faithful crowd, the diehards, you know. So you know. But, man, God gives us an open invitation. We have an open invitation at all times uh, to come before the very presence of God to come before the throne of God, to experience His presence. And, and we learned this morning that, that uh, uh, it's not just an invitation for us to come in, but we know that God is always there. He's not out of reach somewhere. He's always there, always available. But sometimes, uh, kind of like as he was saying this morning, we kind of we begin to think of it as a normal thing, a common thing. But how many of y'all know anytime you come into the presence of God, anytime you have an encounter with the living God, it's not a common thing. It's not something to take lightly, and it's not something to, to just uh, consider as, as ordinary and common. And so that's what I want to talk to you now about tonight is when He comes in. And how many are thankful anytime we call on Him, anytime we come seeking Him, we will find Him. And so talking tonight about when He comes in. And so first off, I want to talk to you about some people that, uh, that didn't recognize Him. Actually, my first, the first point of my... My message is that we must uh, recognize who he is. I forget how I worded that. Is he on the screen? Yeah, we have to acknowledge. <laughs> Isn't that bad? <laughs> uh, we have to acknowledge who he is. Amen? It's not like Lance walking in the room, although we like Lance, and he's a good guy, and he makes some amazing snow cones. And if you mix a little bit of Nicole's vanilla ice cream with a snow cone, it's really amazing. But anyway... But it's different than just somebody else walking in. We're talking about when he walks in, possibilities open up. When he walks in, the impossible becomes possible. When he walks in, change is inevitable. Amen? When he walks in, we need to acknowledge who it is that we are in the presence of. We're in the presence of the King of kings and the Lord of lords. But I'm guilty myself of many times of not acknowledging who it is that we're in the presence of. Not acknowledging just the dynamics and the magnitude of my prayer time in the morning when I enter into His presence. Not really understanding and grasping who it is that I'm communing with. Who it is that has invited us into His presence. Man, I tell you, the Lord just spoke to me a long time ago and uh, really, really convicted me. The Holy Spirit really convicted me because, you know, sometimes I would get up for a while there, I was getting lazy. I'd get up and I'd have my prayer time in the living room, you know, on the couch or whatever. And then I got to where, well, I'll just kick back a little bit, you know, while I'm, while I'm reading the Bible or while I'm starting to pray. 
And, and a lot of times I would end up waking up and it's time to get ready for work, you know? I, was, uh, I remember as a kid going in, my, I'd see my dad up early in the morning reading his Bible, but a lot of times he'd have his eyes closed. <laughs> and I was like, Dad, were you sleeping? He's like, uh, no, I was meditating. So <laughs> I got to where, you know, there was a period of time where I got to where I was doing a lot of meditating, <laughs> you know? But it wasn't, it wasn't spirit-led meditation. It was uh, sleep and slumber. Anyway, but, uh, but man, the Holy Spirit kept convicting me, and it's like, you know, you have an appointment with the King of Kings. Every day you have an appointment with Now, how many of y'all have a doctor's appointment that you see it coming up? And you're like, ah, I got that appointment with a dentist or with a doctor or with this or that. I'll just, I'll just, I'll just rest through it. I'll just sleep through it. Do we do that? No, man, we make sure we show up to those appointments, right? And man, so the Lord just started convicting me. He's like, you keep every other appointment. You even show up to church on time. You even show up to church to, to do things, you know, to help set up, to do things like that. Uh, you keep all those other appointments. Why are you not keeping your appointment with me? It's like, oh, I'm sorry, Lord. <laughs> I was in the waiting room, but I fell asleep when you called my name. But, uh, but man, we have an appointment every day. We have an appointment with the King of Kings. How important it is to, re- to keep that appointment, to show up to that meeting, to show up there because of who it is that's coming to meet with us. And so I want to talk to you first about some people that didn't recognize who he was and whose presence they were in. And uh, in Matthew 13, 57 and 58, and I'm reading from the New King James Version. And this is Jesus in Nazareth, back in his hometown. You know the story. So they were offended at him. But Jesus said to them, a prophet is not known without honor, is not without honor, except in his own country and his own house. Now, he did not do many mighty works there because of their unbelief. And, you know, that's, that scriptures confuse a lot of people. Why, why couldn't he do works there? Why, why couldn't he do any mighty miracles there? But I really believe it's because they didn't acknowledge who he was. They didn't acknowledge him for the deity, for, for the son of God that he was, because they knew him as the carpenter's son. They knew him as something else. And he could do no mighty work there. Mark 6 and 5 says, Now he could do no mighty work there except that he had laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. So he did a few miracles. But it was shocking to me that in back in that first verse, Matthew, it says, So they were offended at him. Not only did they not recognize and understand who he was, but they were offended at him. They were offended at him because they did not understand whose presence they were in. They looked at him with contempt. And they wouldn't acknowledge who he was. And now, when you think about that, though, when you think about that, why they didn't acknowledge him, why they didn't believe and understand that he was the Son of God, that he was sent uh, from uh, our Heavenly Father, they actually, if you think about it, they had pretty good reason not to believe him, didn't they? They had pretty good reason not to believe because they knew him growing up. They knew him as uh, Joseph's son, the carpenter, Mary's son. Somebody that they were, they were used to seeing. He was common to them. Man, that's why I love it. This kind of goes right in here with John Bevere's teaching we've been doing. And, you know, he talks about how honoring God and honoring. And the definition for honor is to treat something as uncommon. And the minute we treat something or someone as common, we've dishonored them. You don't even have to be mean. You don't have to be offended and can treat them with contempt to dishonor. As soon as you treat something as ordinary and as common, that means you've dishonored them. You haven't given honor. And so that was the thing here. They didn't treat Jesus with honor. 
But it was because they grew up with him. They thought he was just the son of Joseph, a carpenter's son. Does that seem unreasonable to y'all that they would treat him this way? And when I read this and I was praying over this, God just spoke to my heart and said, he said, the, you know, the reason that they didn't honor him and they didn't acknowledge who they was is because they looked at him based on their past experiences. And, and I believe God's word to me there was, we can't look at God and define God and, 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 and think of God, of who he is, based on our prior experiences. How many of you know we've all been let down in the past? When used to you, it wasn't God that let us down. But if we begin to see God in a way and perceive God based on our past experiences, then we, then we get a distorted view of God. Then we get a view uh, of God and we can't acknowledge him of who he is because we have to base who he is on what the word says he is. Amen? If we try to base him on what we've seen and what we've experienced, now, now we've all had some good experiences. We've all seen some things and can testify of things God did for us, and that's awesome. But, there, the, but if we base God on everything we've experienced, we're going to water down who he is, and we're not going to understand the power that God has. We're not going to understand the magnitude of who he is if it's based on our experiences, our opinions, your pastor's experiences, your pastor's opinions. But we can only base who he is to us based on what the word says he is. Amen? And if we will begin to honor him and acknowledge who he is by what the word says he is, then we're going to be able to experience him in a much greater way than we ever could on our own. You know what? If, uh, if we always based our decisions on past experiences, my wife would have never dated me again. Aren't you glad that we can't always use our own past experiences uh, on that? Because <laughs> we dated some in high school, and then she just wasn't ready for the package is what I tell everybody. And uh, so it didn't work out. But later, after I got electrocuted, I went and asked her out again. And uh, I don't think I've ever told that story in here. But, yeah, I got electrocuted on top of the old movie theater here in Camden. And when I went home, the first thing I did is I called Nicole, and I said, I almost died today. Hey, Mike was there with me on the roof that day. I believe, that's what, I believe that's what put it in his heart to be an electrician so he could save idiots like me. <laughs> but, but it was a 110, and it held me long enough for me to think, this is a horrible way to die. I actually thought that. I was, I was trying to get free. I was like, this is a horrible way to die, you know? And then I finally broke loose, and I had a hole in my finger, a perfectly round circle in my finger with a black dot in the middle, and looked over, and Mike and Kyle Chenault were standing up on the roof with me just going, And I was like, hey, thanks, guys. <laughs> Appreciate you watching me fry there. <laughs> then I was trying to see if my arm was still tingling, so I pointed at him like that. I was hoping I could just get it. one little bolt. It's like, let one bolt come out, Lord. Shock him. Shock him. They didn't help me. But anyway, so anyway, that time, that time, Nicole didn't base her decision on previous experiences. She agreed, and we've been dating ever since. So uh, actually, she didn't agree immediately. She said, let me pray about it. So I called her two minutes later. I called her back and said, what did God say? <laughs> and she said, he said, okay. <laughs> anyway, where was I at? That went in my notes. So we can't, we can't base what we feel about God and what we think about God on our past experiences. And let me just tell you a little bit. I mean, we could stay here for the rest of the service if we want to, but what the Word says about him, just a few things. You can look around this room and see a few banners of what the Word says he is, but the Bible says he is Jehovah, the great I am. Amen? 
What are you needing to be? What are you needing to be? He is that. Amen. He's the great I am. He's Jehovah Shalom, our peace. Amen. How many of you want to celebrate today that God is your peace? Whether you're in peace right now or not, God is your peace. Amen. He's Jehovah Rapha, our healer. How many of y'all need healing in your body? Amen. Well, God is your healer. The Bible declares that. And uh, Jehovah Jireh, our provider. Jehovah, one of my favorite. Jehovah Rohi, my shepherd. Amen. He's our shepherd, and we don't do a lot of shepherding these days. But when you think about what a shepherd does, man, watching over the flock, watching over his sheep, rescuing his sheep, leading his sheep, nursing his sheep, making sure his sheep are taken care of, protecting his sheep. Man, I'm thankful to say that he is Jehovah Rohi, my shepherd. Amen. He's your shepherd. He is your righteousness. Man, we need that every day, don't we? Jehovah Sikhanu, he's our righteousness. It's on the banner over there. He's our sanctification. He is love. He is full of mercy. Amen? The Bible says he is full of power, all omnipotent, all-powerful, omniscient, all-knowing, and always present. Amen? That's just some of what he is. That's just some of who he is. That's just some of who it is that steps into this sanctuary every time we get together. That's just some of who he is, who you encounter every morning, every day as you go into your uh, prayer closet and begin to pray. You're not meeting with just anybody. You're meeting with the king of kings. Amen? Hallelujah. In Mark chapter 6, verse 54 and 56, this was right after Jesus walked on the water. He got in the boat with his disciples, and they went on the rest of the way. Amen? There's a message there. You're not going to get where you're going until you let Jesus in your boat. But anyway, so they got there. And it says, and when they came out of the boat, now this is somebody who did acknowledge him, who did recognize him. It says, when they came out of the boat, immediately the people recognized him. Everybody say they recognized him. All right, I'm calling this, they acknowledged him. They acknowledged who he was. They recognized him. And it says, and then they went throughout the whole surrounding region and began to carry out uh, on beds those who were sick to whatever they had, whatever, to wherever they heard he was. Man, they were carrying people on stretchers, following him, looking for Jesus, amen, because they recognized him. They recognized him, and it says, uh, wherever he entered into villages, cities, countryside, they laid the sick in the marketplaces, and they begged him that they might just touch the hem of his garment, and as many as touched him were made well, amen. Everybody that recognized him and ran to him received their miracle. You know what everybody translates? You know what all translates into in the Hebrew? All. Yeah, I said all. <laughs> all who recognized him and ran to him received their miracle and received what they were believing for. How many of you have a miracle tonight that you need? How many of you have a miracle tonight that you're praying for, a breakthrough that you've been praying for? Amen. If you recognize him and if you acknowledge him and you run after him, man, God will meet you where you are and God will give you your miracle. Praise the Lord. So we have to acknowledge who he is. Amen. Acknowledge who he is. And then the next thing, the second thing we're going to talk about is we must recognize the power of God's presence. The power of God's presence. You know, I, some people, I don't understand, some people struggle with church and with coming to church and Sometimes I've heard that, well, we are the church. I don't have to come to the building. But you know the Bible says that when we gather together in his name, it's in uh, Matthew 18, 20. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there in the midst of them. How many times have we heard that verse? You know, it's the one place I know that at least two or three are going to come together in his name. Did anybody else come here in his name tonight? 
Did anybody else come here? I'll, I'll be one. Who wants to be two? Okay. Well, you can't all be two. We're just have to. We're gonna take a minute here. We'll have to count them all up. Anyway, I see at least two or three here tonight. And if you believe the word, man, I just I just learned to take the word for what it says. And it says, if two or three are gathered in my name, I am there in their midst. I am there in my in their midst. The presence of God is in this place tonight. Whether you feel it or not, it's here. Amen. Whether you're hungry for it or not, it's here. You know, you can be, you can have food served before you and not be hungry and not partake. But, uh, but when there's food set before you, when God's presence is here, all it takes is a little bit of hunger and a little bit of taste. The Bible says, taste and see that I am good. God's presence is here tonight. Everything that you lack is available here tonight. God's done the work. The work on the cross was complete. It's paid for. It's here tonight. If you leave without what you came for, if you leave without what you were needing, it's not because it wasn't here. It's not because God wasn't able. It's because we didn't eat. And, man, I leave a lot of times hungry because I didn't eat. I didn't pick up my fork, pull up to the table and eat. The Bible says he prepares us a table in the presence of our enemies, but it's up to us to pull up on that table and eat. Amen? It's here. God's presence is here. And, his, and in his presence, man, there is liberty. The Bible says there is liberty in his presence. That's freedom from everything you need freedom for. Mark 2, verse 1 and 2, New King James Version again. It says, and again he entered Capernaum after some days, and it was heard that he was in the house. And immediately many gathered in so that there was no longer room to receive them, not even near the door. He preached the word, and he preached the word to them. And that whole passage goes on. And this is, the, this is the passage you're all familiar with. It. This is the passage where, man, the house was crowded, and there were some people whose friend was a paralytic. He was paralyzed. He couldn't move. They carried him on a stretcher, and it says when they got to the door, they couldn't even get near the door. But they acknowledged who was in the house. Now, I don't think now, all the people gathered there, there were different people there that day. There were some that were there because they acknowledged who he was, and they knew they knew there was something about Jesus where, where the, the presence, when his presence was there, when he was there, good things happened. There were some, I don't believe a lot of them probably didn't fully understand who he was, but they knew there was power in his presence. Amen? They knew that there was power. They knew that he, that he had the anointing of God. He had the power of God in him, and they knew that things would happen. There were others there that just came probably because they were curious. Well, let's just check this thing out. You know, and there's a lot of people that come in our doors, come in this sanctuary. Man, they just want to check things out. What is this Christianity stuff all about? What is this Jesus thing all about? But how many of you know if they're hungry and they're coming and they're looking, we already said it, they're going to find him. Amen? But then there were people there that came there that I believe just wanted to try to find fault with Jesus. Because here's, the, here's how the story goes. So those men came. They, they were so hungry. They so wanted to get to Jesus. You know the story. That they dug through the roof. They uncovered the roof. They took it out. They lowered him down. And Jesus told him, your sins are forgiven. And then because he knew people were thinking things, that they, you know, well, who has any authority? You know, blah, blah. And so he knew they were thinking that. So then he healed him. He healed the man. He says, just to show you that there's power to forgive sins, you know, We'll also heal him. And so he told him, man, you're healed. Get, take up your bed and get out. And so anyway, man, they received their miracle because they were determined. They knew. They acknowledged the power that was in his presence. But here's the interesting thing is, man, that room was filled up with all those different types of people that day. There were those that, obviously those people, man, they needed to be there. They were desperate to get there. 
They were hungry to get there. They knew we got to get in his presence. We've got to get before Jesus. If we can just meet him face to face. And they saw their miracle. But the interesting thing was there were a lot of people there. Same atmosphere, same house. They heard the same message but had two totally different outcomes. There were those that didn't recognize the power of his presence, and they left there angry and upset. They left there angry and upset because they didn't recognize who they were in the house with, amen? But then there were those that recognized who he was, and they left celebrating their miracle. Amen. They came in. They came in. They came in paralyzed, and they came in desperate, but they left rejoicing and shouting. Amen. Because they came face to face. They came in the presence of the Son of God, and they received exactly what they were looking for. Man, do y'all want to receive what you're looking for? Are you hungry? Are you hungry enough to tear through the roof? Amen. If we lock the doors next Sunday morning, how many of y'all going to come through the ceiling? <laughs> There's a few holes you could probably get through. <laughs> but anyway, right over there is a good one. <laughs> if you're sitting in that area when it rains, it's, uh, you know, go ahead and get filled. Get, go ahead and let the rain hit you. Amen. You pray for rain, it comes. All right. Anyway, but man, there were the two, di- two different people. Which one are you going to be? Man, are you going to be those that come in expecting, come in ready, coming in knowing when you get before the throne of God that God's going to do something mighty in your life? I don't care how good you get, how good you are, there's always something that God can change. And, man, that's my prayer every time I come in this place, every time I go to prayer. God, change me. God, change me. Shape me. Mold me. Put your character in me. Put your heart in me, God. In Jesus' name. And God wants to change us. Man, he's going to change me to the day I die. Sorry, Nicole, but you will never have a perfect husband. Even though you demand it sometimes. No, I'm just kidding. But when we come in together in this house, we need to come with that same purpose, to meet with Jesus. How many of y'all came in here tonight thinking, I'm going to meet with the King of Kings tonight? I'm going to meet with him tonight. Man, that should get you excited about getting here, excited about, excited about being here, and excited about just lingering and staying here. I think y'all should all come spend time on the altar after service at least for two hours. I've got to go take care of some stuff. I've got some pre-commitments, but y'all can stay here as long as you want. <laughs> Let me get on with this. I'm running out of time. I knew I probably wouldn't finish this whole thing, but uh, let me go ahead. If we come with that purpose, you'll never leave here disappointed. Amen? He's a 100% success rate on seeking him. You all know that? How many of y'all know we try some things and it don't work, but the Bible says if you seek him, you will find him. 100% success rate. You will, he will never fail. If you seek him, you will find him. Amen? So come hungry when you come. Go hungry. Go into your prayer closet at home hungry, and you'll never be disappointed. Amen? But we got to come seeking his presence, seeking his face, knowing that the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God is in our midst. Amen? All right. I lost my place. Sorry. We must recognize the power of God's presence. Because if you don't come seeking him, Honestly, if we don't come and encounter him, if we don't come face-to-face with him and encounter the presence of God, if we miss out on that, then this is just a glorified social meeting. This is just a hangout. And fellowship is good. Don't get me wrong. We enjoyed the ice cream fellowship last night. Man, we had a great time. It was good. 
And there's people, man, I love hanging out with people. I love visiting with people. It's good to know people and socialize and visit. You know, I grew up with Brother Willis, Brother William Willis. I grew up with him. And, man, he's, a, he's, a, he's been a light in my life my whole life. Even when he was calling me my brother's name on purpose just to try to get under my skin. Brother Willis, one of his favorite things used to be he would get black construction paper and put it over his front two teeth. Do you still carry construction paper with you, Brother Willis? Sure, go ahead. <laughs> his favorite thing to do, he'd put black construction paper over his front two teeth. So, it, so when he smiled, it looked like there was a gap there. It looked like he didn't have any front teeth. So he would do that and smile and say, hey, John, how you doing tonight? <laughs> he still calls me John to this day. I love Brother Willis. He's a great guy. Man, he's prayed for many of you. But when, when I'm in need, when I need a Savior, I can't cry out to Brother Willis. When I need God to come to, to my rescue, when I need deliverance, when I need freedom, I can't cry out to Lance. I can't cry out to SIE. There's only one person that can change me. There's only one person that can set me free. There's only one person that can deliver me and lead me through this life. And that's Jesus Christ. So we can come together all we want to visit and see people and tell our business and find out other people's business. If that's all you're coming for, you might as well stay at home. But when we come into this place, if we come seeking the face of God, then we will leave this place different. We will leave this place better than what we came in. We will leave this place with the fire of God in our heart. That's what he wants to do every time we come together. He wants to build us up. To equip us to put a fire in our heart that will burn even when times get tough. That will burn even when we feel like giving up. Like the fire shut up in our bones. That's what the prophet said. It's like a fire shut up in my bones. He wants you to know what that is. To have a fire of God so shut up in your bones, you can't control it. Amen? That's what he wants when we come together. We have to recognize the power of God's presence. The next thing is, we'll probably just read through this real quick. When he, when he walks in, you need to know that he is for you. He is for you. Amen? He is for you. He is on your side. There's nobody that wants your miracle more than God wants your miracle. There's nobody that wants your family to be saved more than God wants your family to be saved. There's nobody that wants your kids to come to know him more than God wants your kids to come to know him. Whatever you want with all your heart, as bad as you want it, know that God wants it worse than you do. God wants to see you blessed more than you want to see yourself blessed. God is for you. And you can look up some scriptures there if you want to. Uh, that God is for you. Uh, we got Psalms 118.6, Romans 8.31. Talk about God being on our side. Who can be against us? Because God is for us. And, and the other thing I want you to tell you is God is for us. But here's one thing about, here's one thing about God. This is, this is the part... This is the part that sometimes we forget is that God wants everything for you. He wants the best for you, but God's not going to do it while we sit idle. God's not going to do it while we just sit by and get comfortable. And that's how he touched on this this morning, so I don't got to preach this hard about it. But we have a part to do, amen? And I love, I don't know if you've ever, y'all Google this, look it up, maybe when you go home. But Jensen Franklin taught uh, a message not a while back, probably a year or so ago. More, but it was it was called the seventh hand. Anybody ever hear that Jensen Franklin message, the seventh hand? Man, a powerful principle. I'll just give you it in a nutshell, real quick. When they when they built the altar, when they built the altar back in the you know back I think it was Solomon was built in the altar. It says they gave him the measurements. Now back then a cubit, a cubit was one of the main standard measurements. 
you know, probably like a foot or yard. But a cubit was a hand width. And most of the things what they built, they built it by cubits. But when it came to the altar, the place where God's presence, where they would, place where we would, they would come and be in contact with the presence of God. When it came to the altar, he said, build it a cubit plus one hand width. Jensen Franklin goes into detail about this. Y'all, they all love it, man. It's so, it's so good. But it was, it was the, it was, it was a cubit plus one hand width. So it was, basically what it represented was, you know, that was man's measurement. That was the, and it's something about a cubit, like from your elbow to here or whatever, was a cubit. So men could easily measure a cubit. You know, it was like elbow to like the end of the hand or something. That was a cubit. And so, you know, it was kind of the standard measurement. It was, it kind of represented men's work, the work of men. But when it came to the altar, he said, do it a, 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 a cubit and one hand width. So seven, seven hands width. And basically what that comes down to is that he wanted, it was the altar, where the place where God would meet him. It was man's work, but it took a little extra. And it was man's hand along with the hand of God. And he was saying that God, God's hand would be the seventh hand. And so, man, the powerful message about how God wants to work. God comes alongside us. The Bible says the Holy Spirit comes alongside us to work. But it's going to take us getting up and doing something. It's going to take some action. It's going to take us taking a step. Amen? But as we take a step, as we move, God moves. Amen? S.I.E. said it this morning. I didn't realize it was kind of the exact thing. But as we move, God moves. And God, who's a God that's for you, will come alongside you when you step out in faith, when you begin to move and you begin to do, God shows up. I love the story of the children of Israel when they got ready to cross the Jordan. He told them the river was in the flood stages. And he told them, you're going across the river. You're going across the river. And when they, he said, here's what you do. You take the ark of God, the presence of God. Amen. That's where the presence of God resided, in the ark. He said, take the ark and walk down into the river. He didn't say, I'm going to part the river and then you walk in. He said, walk down to the river and as you step in, everybody say, as you step, as you step in, then you will see my hand at work. Amen. And so, man, it went just like this. They walked, they took, and once they got their feet in the river, once they got into it, once they got into it, the God said he parted the waters. And the waters stood up and they were able to walk through on dry ground. But it took them stepping in before God could move. It took them walking in obedience and stepping out in faith before the waters began to recede. How many of y'all know God wants to do so many things for us? God is on our side. He is for us. But he's saying today to somebody, it's time to take a step. It's time to make a move. And as you move in faith, watch and see what I'll do. Watch and see what I'll do. I'm, I'm going to end here. I'm going to end here. I've got a couple more topics, but I'll just, I'll just, we'll just skip that. Maybe we'll get to another time. But man, I just feel like, I really feel like this is what God's going to do. I believe there's somebody here today, a man that God's been tugging on your heart. God's put some things inside of you that, that, that he wants you to do. And you've been praying, you've been seeking God. But tonight, I believe God wants you to know, he's saying, go ahead, take this step. Step out into the water and step out into the water. Start to move. Start to take action and see what I will do. Test me. Test me in this. Be bold. Amen. Sometimes we just got to be bold and crazy enough to believe that God's going to do it. So, man, I'm just going to say right now, if that's you right here this morning, if that's you and God's been pricking your heart about realizing who it is that's with you, who it is who you've come into contact with, who God is and how mighty he is and you're, you're just scared and you've been waiting. If that's you tonight and you feel like you're supposed to be taking a step of faith, 
You're supposed to be moving out in something you know God's called you to. Maybe it's a ministry. Maybe it's just a witness into somebody. I don't know what it could be. A number of things. But if you feel like tonight, if you feel like tonight God's calling you to take a step of faith and you haven't been ready or you've been resisting or you've been just waiting, if you believe that's you tonight, I want you just to come up to these altars and just make a declaration tonight that says, God, I'm going to trust you. God, I'm going to take a step out into the water. God, I'm going to take a step of faith, and I'm going to believe that as I do it, God, you're going to move on my behalf. If that's you tonight and you just need a move of God on your behalf, and what you know it's going to take a step of faith, I want you to come to these altars right now. Just come to these altars right now. And we've got some of our prayer leaders that come up, just lay a hand on these guys, and let's just believe uh, that God is coming alongside them. The rest of you, thank you for being here tonight. God bless you. You're dismissed.